Hello, and welcome to Local Legacies, the show where we go behind the scenes with enterprising individuals who are striving for the best in their business, family, community, and themselves. I'm your host, Tim Lanza, and without further ado, here's this week's guest. All right, guys, I'm here in the studio today with Nick Pelletier of Pelletier Properties, founder, owner. Yeah, president. Uh, President, whatever you want to say, man of many titles. <laughs> I'm very excited to talk to you today. I think we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I guess we can kick off kind of the story you were telling me about your former life. Yeah, we're start back then. Absolutely, and I want to thank you so much for having me here today. It's it's cool to talk to people about um, things that we both like to talk about, right? Shared interests, and um, for me, my path to real estate is not the normal path. I actually. Uh, worked in engineering for about seven years. I graduated from WPI, which was an amazing school. Um, and I really created a lot of connections and networking at WPI. Went into engineering with a hope of really helping people. I was, I was in biomedical engineering. I was working on medical devices. And I was really hoping to make a difference because that's always been really important to me. What I found was that path to making a difference in medical devices is so long. You know, you're talking five, 10 years of a path. And while I'm really proud of some of the things I worked on in engineering, um, I did find it tough for my personality and what I'm looking for on a weekly basis in terms of accomplishment. Um, and for me, as I started to kind of look around, I started looking at property investment. And my father, who came from construction, and I started investing in some real estate. We started flipping some properties. And I started to really see how that had a much more immediate return on my, um, not my investment, but my time spent. And I saw that accomplishment and I got more excited. Uh, and I wanted to get my real estate license to save some money on our own investments. And then I found that there were friends of mine that needed help. And that's when the snowball started to roll. And what's really interesting is a lot of people say, well, you should have never gone to WPI. You should have just started in real estate. You would have saved all that money. The reality is, my, Pel my business, Pelletier Properties, was built off of WPI. And what I mean by that is it was those connections and that network that I made at that school that so many of our clients today can still be traced back to that network. There's so many people I met at WPI that still to this day are leading to the growth of Pelletier Properties, the sales business um, at Keller Williams North Central. And I would never regret anything that I did at WPI because it really was who made me who I am today. And I think it also was one of the reasons why I still knew that the path to real estate was the way to be because WPI was not only about the engineering, but there was also a whole social aspect through the junior year project that we did. I actually spent seven weeks in Africa um, working on our junior year project. And that was all about making a difference. So that was even ingrained in me at WPI. And I, I'll, I'll never forget the day. It was a Friday afternoon and you know, I had been starting to build a real estate business on the side, and it was going really well. And my boss at the time at my job, my engineering job, said that I needed to be a prick and piss people off to be successful in project management. And I, uh, I went home, and I just got increasingly upset by that. I, I found myself more confused than I ever was, uh, and I actually uh, quit that job on Monday. So what about that made you so upset? I think for me it's that... I build, my success in business has been through relationships. And I really enjoy relationships with people. It's, it's one of the things that makes it worth it for me to get up every day, right? My relationships and the people that I'm going to interact with every day is exciting. I like to go to the office to interact with people. And so when the concept was that 
my technique and my abilities in that area, which were relationship-based. The success we had had in the project management that we were working on at that time was about having really good relationships with each of those different disciplines that were working on that project. The concept that this new manager saw um, that as not enough and that we needed to use other means, in particular means that I felt would break relationships, is not who I am and it's also not who I wanna be. So for me, I felt that at that time, that was my sign, right? There was every, everything in life, there's a point at which you're like, that's what, that means it's the right decision. And that was the point where I knew, okay, this is the time, I, I, you know, I put in my time and that was the sign that, okay, I'm making the right decision. And it was interesting because as I mentioned, I had gone to WPI, I had gotten a degree. Um, I had been very lucky to have help from my family and, you know, funding that degree. And uh, there was a lot of convincing that had to be made as to let's try this real estate thing out full time. Um, so we made a deal that uh, that was going to be a, a one-year test. Um, we're going to give it a year to try it full-time, and that was the beginning of the Pelletier Properties that we have today. So when you're saying it took some convincing, was it you convincing them or them convincing you? No, it was me convincing my parents, um, you know, because, and, and honestly, a lot of people, actually. There were a lot of people. Um, it's amazing sometimes some of the things that people say to you. Uh, there were a lot of people that said, you know, don't you really think you should go back to engineering? You know, that I just feel like it'd be such a safer, safer situation for you. And my parents were actually very uh, positive about it. You know, we talked it through what the plan was. And once they knew what the plan was, they were uh, very supportive and definitely were a key piece of, of making this business a reality. And there were a lot of other people that really questioned it, that didn't really know necessarily all the details. Um, and so it took years before... Uh, people really saw this real estate business as a business and not just a hobby. Um, and but the whole way through, my parents were always supportive, and that was a key. That was a key reason why I knew I could do it. Right? If I was on my own and, and really um, struggling financially, it would have been a lot harder to take that big risk because it was a big risk. Right. You get a lot of people like maybe you should just go get a real job. Yeah. Or kind yeah, of, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, do and, you what know. you're supposed to. You're supposed to be in this box over here. Well, you put, you, put, you put yourself in that box when you get the degree, right? And the question is um, whether or not that degree really should define your whole life. And, and I think there's a lot of people that run into this, right? There's a lot of people that really think they're making the right decision at one point and then find that as life rolls out that um, there might be other reasons to do something else. And I think, you know, I'm not saying everyone should quit their jobs, and but I do think that um, it's important to follow your passions and uh, life is short and make decisions that you feel are right at the right time. I went to college because basically my parents made me. That was not an option. <laughs> and they paid for part, you know, some yeah. of it. Yeah. And it was totally their thing. They wanted me to do it. And once I got a real job, quote unquote, yeah. real job, uh, I was miserable. And I called my dad one night, like broke down crying. Yeah. I just want to come home and build cars with you. Yeah. And the guy who forced me to go to college so I wasn't wor working on cars said, we'll come up with a plan. Exactly. If you, if you show me a plan to make that work, you do whatever you want. And I'm sure there's some things you learned in the degree that you got that still apply to some things you do today. And the connections were huge. The connections the are absolutely huge. And, and so I, I am a huge advocate of people going to college. I'm a huge advocate of people pursuing knowledge. I think knowledge is extremely important. Um, I... A lot of people come to me saying, hey, I want to get into real estate. And, and my gut reaction is always, that's great. 
I'd love to support you in that, and I will support you in that. Um, I'd really love you for to pursue a degree in finance or marketing, or um, even if it's a even if it's a, a certificate program, or get some of that experience because I can tell you finance is a really important background in real estate um, and in business, right? So in running a business, you have to understand P and Ls, you have to understand balance sheets, and so those are the reasons why I do think do the right. Th everyone has to do the right thing for them, um, and I. I'm always a little hesitant for someone to just count on real estate as being their saving grace. Do you get a lot of, obviously, uh, you're in the real estate space, you get a lot of, like, I call them like, yeah, 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 guys, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I yeah. want to get, you know, what do you think the difference is between those guys and the people that really do it? You know, that's a really good question. And I think if, if, I, if I had the answer to that 100%, um, it would be a very valuable answer. I, I think it, it definitely... There's a level of motivation. Um, real estate is a, people think real estate is sales. Really, real estate is consulting. We are running a real estate consulting business at the end of the day. And um, for us, it's not just motivation to get up in the morning and go. It's the motivation to be a problem solver. And what I've seen in real estate when there's been situations where maybe the the outcome for someone wasn't as successful as someone else is a are they a good problem solver are they able to take a problem as they come in real estate they come all the time are they able to and everyone's every problem's different every and i'm sure the same thing with with what you do right you, you see these things you look at it you're like well i've never seen this before but solve that problem figure it out that makes you successful in this business and i also think there's another side of it um, that is that is a level of you know personal motivation to seek out business and, and develop those relationships. If you can solve problems and if you can talk to people and develop relationships and explain to them the importance of the services you provide, you can be successful in real estate. I think one of the biggest things my dad taught me all you know my entire life is just how to look at something that's broken yeah. and say how do we fix this yeah. and you can apply that across the board same thing with problems you start to see problems come up and you start to see patterns yep. and the more you attack those problems head on the more you see these patterns come up and it could be a new situation for you but you're just like instinctively i know what we got to do here and the biggest thing for me is when a problem develops i'm on the phone trying to solve it right i'm, I'm calling my resources i don't know all the answers but i have resources who help me know the answers so I, I jump on the phone and sometimes I'll talk to another agent who says, oh yeah, you know, I got this problem with this deal. I don't know what to do about it. I'm like, well, did you call this person? Did you call this person? You know, um, you just got to go. And, and sometimes not worry too much about whether or not you're doing it the right way. Just worry about trying to seek out the solution. Um, and most of the times you're going to find it. Right. Same thing with, you know, in other parts of life, like the gym or whatever. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to start working out <laughs> next week. You know, I'm going to get right after it as soon as Monday comes yeah. and it's like then there's the people that just I'm starting right now and yeah. I'm gonna make this a habit and yeah. just go my solution to that as I mentioned to you earlier was hiring a trainer I I knew that I could not in my business I spend so much time on my business that I have trouble prioritizing myself so I knew that if left to my own devices um, I would uh, not make it to the gym so I hired a trainer who's become one of my really good friends, and we just work out together now. And I need that person waiting for me because I know that that accountability will make me show up because I hate letting people down. Um, and so sometimes you have to just force yourself by, you know, 
putting the things around you and the people around you to hold you accountable. Right. And it's like you pay for tons of different services for other things. You know, you like you pay someone to cut your hair. Yeah. Why would you cut your own hair? Yeah. This guy does it for a living. Yep. Just have him help you do it or do it for you or what, you know. I'm a huge advocate for uh, use leverage, right? So that's all leverage. Getting people around you and, and creating that sphere of, of people that are going to support you and l allow you to leverage your time. I hired um, Annie Reiser as my director of operations, and uh, that was a big deal. I was bringing a salary onto my business. We never had a salary before, and or I never had to pay a salary. And so, but I knew I needed that leverage. I knew I needed that accountability. Uh, Annie's very good at holding Nick Pelletier accountable. Um, and I need that because I will um, avoid things I don't like to do um, and focus on things I like to do, which everyone should do. But at the same time, you do eventually have to do the things you don't like to do. Um, so I think it's all about putting those accountability partners around you in whatever you're struggling with. Okay. Now I, I just met Annie. She's a sweetheart the other <laughs> night. Um, you hired her on. How big is the team at Pelletier Properties? Sure. Uh, so it has been growing, so I, hopefully I get this right. So we have um, three main administrators. Uh, we have our director of operations, we have a transaction coordinator, and we have a social and marketing um, individual as well. We have uh, two people on the listing side, myself and my lead listing agent, Dan. And then on the buy side right now, we have um, our lead buyer's agent, Josh, and we have one, two, three, buyer's agents underneath Josh, uh, three and a half buyer's agents underneath Josh. Um, so it's it's really a group of when you add it all together, we're, I think we're up to eight now. Um, we have some interns too who, who help out. Um, and it's it's become really for me, we, we've hired a lot of like-minded people. Uh, and that's really important to me because we have a, our motto is let us know how you can help. Uh, let us know how we can help um, or let us know how we can help you um, because this business, while it's about selling a real estate property, we are helping people get out of a multitude of different situations. We're helping people get to their dream house. We're helping people relocate to be closer to family. We're helping people sell a property that they've inherited. We're helping people through a lot of situations. And so I've surrounded, my team has become people who appreciate that ability to help people. And that, uh, that's one of the things I'm really proud about. So you say you have a you know pretty strong culture there. Yeah, you're not using the be a prick method of no, management. No, no, we we threw that out with the with the uh, bathwater. Probably probably out. a good plan. <laughs> now, you kind of went over some stuff, and for myself and the people listening, can you explain the structure of the business? Kind of yeah. what these the roles of these different people, sure. like how what they do, and just how the business works. Sure. So Pelletier Properties has two main branches. We have the development branch, which is what I started with, right? I, as I mentioned, we started flipping properties. We have some some real estate investments. We're working on a very exciting project in downtown Fitchburg right now. Those that's our development branch, and that's something that is your dad tied into that. He's like, he's a because you a, said you kind of started with yeah. him and he was in construction. Was yeah. that so? He's a strong supporter and a um, a constant uh, helper uh, in in all things development. So. Um, he is the person I go to when um, I'm not sure the answer to a question. I have, an, I have a conflict in appointments. Can you help me here? Um, and then his knowledge in um, building properties and working with contractors is, is invaluable. So he's, he's a great resource. And he's, you know, at this point, he's retired. So we're very, I'm very lucky to have his support on that whole side of the business. It's really just the two of us uh, on that side. And then the real estate sales side, which is 
the side that kind of developed out of the investing side is what's really been growing. And as everyone knows, the real estate sales or real estate availability and prices have been uh, dramatically increasing, uh, or I should say availability has been decreasing and prices have been increasing. And so that business has been growing uh, significantly even throughout the pandemic. We, April of last year, so actually <laughs> a year from today, right? Uh, I don't think I slept at all. Uh, I, I was, I had built this business and Annie had just left her job to come work for me and we weren't, the market was dead. You know, we weren't even, we had listings on the market that weren't selling. Um, this is just a year ago. It's, it's really hard to even remember how scary it was, but it was scary because we weren't sure, was this gonna go on for months, a year? Uh, and how would real estate be affected like that, by that? We were the lucky ones, right? I know so many individuals and businesses that really struggled through the remainder of the time. Real estate was lucky in that uh, it came back very quickly. We recovered from that uh, within a couple months, really. Uh, we were back at it. And, we figured out how to make it work. We adapted. It was not the same business it was. We adapted our open houses. We adapted showings. We adapted how we market properties. We did a lot of virtual tours. Um, the, the market and the industry changed, and we were very lucky that uh, the clientele continued to see a reason to buy and sell. And one of the main things that happened was a lot of people realized when they were stuck in their houses all day long that it wasn't really somewhere they wanted to be. Either it was too small and they had two people working from home, a baby and a dog, and they were all on one le single level in 1,100 square feet. Uh, or it was people were home and they were too far from family. And they were like, you know what? Uh, this is not where I wanna be. I think when we go to work every day, you're really only home to sleep in your home for a couple hours before and a couple hours after. And maybe on weekends, but on weekends, you usually have things planned. You're going to sporting events or friends' houses for events. and and so when you're actually forced to be in a place for weeks on end, I think a lot of people started to second guess, you know, necessarily where they were. And, and it might have expedited some people's plans to buy or sell. Are you seeing trends changing in accordance with that of like what people are looking for as far as house layout and size and those type of things? Yeah, I, I would say the biggest change we've seen is location. I, I would start there. We've seen a massive shift of people looking to get out of the city of Boston and nothing against Boston. I think Boston's a great city and there's still obviously people interested in uh, living there and, and we're actually still, we actually just sold the property in Boston last week. There's also a lot more people who are looking, maybe even in the periphery of Boston, looking to get out further. You know, they are basically looking at the fact that their job might be changed to be more virtual going forward. Uh, they may already know that their job is virtual for at least another year. And so a lot of those people are like, well, you know, if we're going to be virtual and we've figured out how this Zoom thing works now that I didn't even really know what Zoom was back April of last year. And um, they are realizing that, OK, we can we can move further out, get more space, save a ton of money. And um, if we have to jump on the train, uh, you know, two days a week, we can do that. Um, we've seen a dramatic increase, especially in north central mass of offers from buyers from the, the Boston corridor. You know, that's been a big shift. Uh, it used to be that Central Mass was a lot of Central Mass buyers, with obviously some people relocating, but a big shift to um, buyers from the city.
Yeah, I think, you know, my friends my age, a lot of them younger live in the city or, you know, were very excited, obviously, pre-pandemic to get into the city, work in the city. Now they're looking to maybe start a family or buy some property. And you start going out along Route 2 mm -hmm. and looking at, well, okay, I really can't afford here. I can't afford here. And then you land in the Lemonster, You Fitchburg pretty much area. land in the Twin Cities, yeah. yeah. You land in the Twin Cities, um, which is, honestly, it's been exciting. I, I think it's exciting because... That means that we're bringing a lot of, we're bringing a lot of new energy into the Twin Cities, uh, and to me, that's 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 what we need. We need um, we need that influx, um, and we've been lucky that we've become kind of. I I, I was talking to um, a state representative recently, and one of the things we were talking about was, I actually think there's something to be said for the Twin Cities, even Gardner, like the three of them together in the surrounding towns, really being a virtual hub, of. Um, young professionals and, and professionals in general. Um, you could envision a lot of people, because Worcester has, has really exploded price-wise, and, and a lot of people are even starting to get priced out of Worcester. So you could really see that, that North Central Mass area being an area where people can work remotely, but live and play, you know? And, and I think that's a brand that I would, I would love to see for this area. Yeah, I was gonna say, what do you see the future being like for around here? Well, I, let me back up. So as far as your business goes, you know, I know that you work heavily in this area, but you're also selling property in Boston. What does it look like total? Where are you servicing and where's your focus? Sure. Uh, we, are, we usually say that we focus uh, anywhere within an hour of North Central Mass. So that includes New Hampshire and Massachusetts. Uh, we typically go Worcester County, Middlesex County, Boston, Suffolk County, um, and then really Southern New Hampshire. Um, so really, anywhere if you put an hour radius around us, that's that's pretty much where we fall. Um, we follow, for the most part, we're really passionate about working with people we can help. And in many cases, we're really passionate about working with people in our sphere. Um, not to say people outside of our sphere are, are not welcome. We, we obviously are, are willing to help anyone. And we've really enjoyed working with people in our sphere and getting them to refer their friends and family. Uh, so because of that, because of my WPI background, I end up with a lot of people um, who are in that tech background. And so we find ourselves selling a lot of real estate in the tech corridors, that Burlington corridor up to Nashua, um, the Boston corridor, um, and then really that you know, Central Mass, Worcester, and then obviously our families and friends are up here in the, in the North Central Mass. So we kind of bounce around, um, really not much west, not too far west, but really east and north. From a business perspective, you know, I think a lot of focus gets put on marketing, yeah. but I personally feel there's no better marketing than doing an above and beyond job for the person you're dealing with right now. And then they will sing your praises to every single person that in your case is looking to buy a property. In my business, you know, my dad never had a website, never, you yeah. know, barely had a sign out yeah. front. Yeah. It was all referral, yeah. word of mouth, and then just building your reputation. We learned that you can spend a lot of money on marketing and you can spend a lot of money uh, in real estate, what we, what we call buying leads, um, which is basically through some of the, the large tech companies. Uh, we found we really enjoy spending money on our sphere. We have a pie day uh, where we give away pies around Thanksgiving. Um, we've had trivia nights where we you know, rent out a place, bring people in for trivia. We've found those to be not only enjoyable and building our business. Um, and I'd rather put money into things like that, that my sphere can benefit from and our past clients can benefit from, than I would paying for the, the trendiest new marketing thing. Because it seems like every marketing 
opportunity has a limited shelf life. You know, there are still many reasons to advertise on social media and social media is so inundated with so many people advertising. Uh, so I, I think you can always rely on personal connections and sphere. And I really, it's just what I enjoy the most um, in terms of being excited about. Especially if you can focus on your ideal customers yeah. and the people you want to serve, they are going to be connected to more people like them. Very similar. Yeah, exactly. You, you find that a lot. You find that people, a lot of times people will refer people to us and, and rare, rarely, every once in a while, someone will say like, I'm sorry, they're going to be really difficult. But most of the time they're referring people to you that they, you know, if they like you, they're referring people to you that they believe will be a, a good partner and that you'll be able to help. So trend-wise, you know, where are you seeing from the Boston, Suffolk area yeah. and here? It sounds like people are migrating this way and uh, into and southern New Hampshire. Yeah, and north. So we're seeing a big push into southern New Hampshire. Um, lots of lots of energy for people looking to go over the border. Just got a call yesterday from a Massachusetts agent who said, hey, my clients are feel like they're getting pushed into New Hampshire. Can you guys help? Um, so a lot of energy being pushed into southern New Hampshire. And then um, still quite a bit really into that Gardner, Fitchburg, and even Lemonster markets, we're seeing, you know, there was there was a period of time, not that long ago, five, seven years, where you'd work with buyers and they'd be like, you know, uh, we're willing to look anywhere but Fitchburg and Gardner, or, or, you know, we really don't want to look in Fitchburg. We don't really hear that anymore. Um, and it's something that's very exciting for me personally, because I, I really believe in some of these local um, cities we have, and I believe with, I really believe in some of the progress we're making. And so it's really exciting to see people um, willing to start investing in some of these properties um, in, that have made North Central, you know, they're the historic locations in North Central Mass. Uh, and the more we can build them up through additional investment and uh, just good community atmosphere and events, uh, the better all three of those locations will get. What is the future of real estate, housing, either rental or home ownership look like, you know, in North Central Massachusetts particularly? It's a really interesting question. So one of the challenges that we're facing is uh, what what I look at as a true lack of, I call it market rate housing, but it's really not market rate. That's not the best uh, best described descriptor. It's really housing that, uh, let's call it first-time home buying uh, and uh, general downsizing housing. Really that average size, those capes that we used to build, those you know, reasonably sized 1,200 to 1,500 square foot colonials, um, those properties aren't being built. And if you go back to 07, 08, when, when things collapsed and the market was really low, there was a lot of housing that was never built. So they estimate millions of houses that would have been built over those years were never built because the market wasn't there to build them. So what does that mean? Well, uh, our population has continued to go up. So that housing did still need to be built, but it never was built. And we actually haven't caught up in building new construction. With that being said, a lot of the new construction we're building are bigger houses. You'll see a lot of bigger houses being built. And we need that inventory too. And I still think we need to look at ways to build that more starter home inventory, whether it's you know new condo opportunities, whether it's smaller single family homes, that is still a much needed piece of the inventory that we don't really have right now. And, and it is tough when you're working with new buyers, first time buyers, and, and they're really in that price range of, honestly, call it 300 to 400,000, which you, we used to look at that as a very healthy price range. 
it's a very challenging price range right now. And it's a very frustrating price range. And so we're still looking for ways to create more inventory in those price ranges. So I think that's, that's number one. Number two is on the rental side, I, I'm a strong believer that we need safe, clean, and market rate housing opportunities. There are, we have historically in this area, a lot of rental properties. With that being said, um, they're in a variety of conditions. Some of these properties are very old, um, need some significant updating. On the other side of the coin, there's a lot of opportunity in a lot of these downtown areas. Uh, I'll zone in in particular on Fitchburg for a second because really as you drive down Main Street in Fitchburg, I envision the introduction of a lot of housing there. Um, you might say, well, I don't think people really wanna live there. Well, the reality is, if you build the housing, you're gonna support the businesses and the businesses will thrive. New businesses will come in, which will support more housing. It's a cycle, right? And so um, how did we get to where we are, right? Well, we got to where we are because there was a, there was a downward spiral. No one wants to jump in on the down, downward. Right. Um, everyone wants to jump in on the upturn. Um, I've seen this a lot in a lot of things I've worked on. And so I'm a big advocate for, and it's one of the reasons why I'm working on the project in downtown. And when don't you get into that? Yeah, so I know I'm working, we're both excited to talk okay. about it. So, yeah, I know you are. Uh, so we started, uh, over a year ago, we started the development of seven townhouse uh, townhouses with garages underneath, two bed, uh, two bath in Fitchburg, and right on the corner of Blossom and Crescent Street. And this project was an abandoned development so it was started in um 05 06 and the previous developer basically failed it was right around that time when the market shifted and we were left with foundations and some walls and some foundations for over 15 years um and it became a symbol for many people in fitchburg of the downward right because it really was that hope Broken dreams. It was the broken dreams. It was okay. Here we go, and then really for 15 years there was there was nothing. And, and I don't I don't really blame. I'm not blaming anyone because I don't think it was any person's fault. I think there really was um, the the economy was tough. The housing market was tough. Um, so that that period of time was really tough, and and people were really frustrated. And of course you have opportunities like that that sit vacant. Well, that affects businesses nearby. People don't really want to go to a restaurant when there's a, you know, abandoned lot across the street that really has an eyesore type feel. So we were very lucky to um, have the opportunity to take over the project. And we took over the project um, a little bit, about over a year ago now, and really just turned it back on. Uh, we went, we downsized, it was 10 units. We downsized to seven to have more off-street parking. Um, they were luxury condominiums. We downsized them to market rate. And they are gonna be apartments, so they're gonna be rentals. And, and I'm really excited because that's what you need down there. You need market rate rental opportunities where people can live down there and now start to support some of these new restaurants that are opening up. Um, hopefully create, as those restaurants start to succeed, some other opportunities for new businesses to come in. Now you get those businesses thriving. Now you can take a chance to put housing above one of the other properties on Main Street. There's a lot of incentives to get housing in downtown but not one person's gonna do it, right? It's going to be a combination of multiple projects. We're really excited that our project is going, right? There's been a lot of projects talked about for a long time and we are well underway, well over 50% complete. And 
it's been extremely exciting, the feedback we've gotten and the, the energy behind the, the people that have been following the project and just so excited to see that finally happening. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. We're really excited about it. And I think that this, I've already seen it start to spur more conversations about, okay, what's next? Uh, and I, I do believe, I think, you know, you, we, talked, we talked about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. Fitchburg has an art museum. Gardner and Lumsden don't have an art, art museum. Um, Fitchburg has a college. You know, there are, there's the new theater going in downtown. That project is, is almost underway. There are a lot of assets in Fitchburg that uh, really will push it forward. We just need that spark to kind of keep going. And, I, and I, I see it going. Sure, it's going to take time. It's not going to be an overnight uh, change. But I think, I think the Twin Cities, I like to look at it as a whole. I'm not a, you know, I am all about community-based and uh, coalition-based. I really think Fitchburg and Lemonster and even Gardner need to work together on a lot of this stuff. I, I think we're, you know, five to 10 years behind Worcester. Worcester went through a major uh, revitalization and Lowell slightly before that. And, and so it's coming, right? And, and I think uh, at this point, my big thing is let's figure out how we can be a part of it and support it to just move it faster. I, I noticed too, you know, Fishburg and Lemonster, I think both very similar is like, first of all, I kind of said this the other day is like this, you know, I used to live in Salem yeah. and it's like, if you live downtown, especially if you own downtown in Salem, it's like, wow, I, how do you afford that? Exactly. If you live downtown in Lemonster and Fitchburg, yeah. it's like, really? Yeah, exactly. But there's these beautiful yep. Victorian houses yeah. in the surrounding area immediately around downtown. Yep. Some of them have kind of gone into disrepair. Sure. But if you could pump life into downtown, you know, the for lack of a better term, yuppies will come yep. in and... Yep rehab those beautiful houses and bring more money back into that. Absolutely. So it's all about it. So when things are spiraling down, um, everyone runs away. And, and that's what happened in Fitchburg and Lemonster to some extent. A lot of businesses ran away. They, they got scared. Um, and I don't mean during COVID. I, that's obviously a totally different scenario. I mean, prior to that, there were a lot of people that said, you know what, I'm moving the business. I'm, um, you know, shutting the business down or, or, or maybe moving out of town. Um, but I don't see that downward spiral anymore. I, I really don't. And I, I see a lot more things happening in these locations. Um, we have a really, you know, exciting uh, park being developed in downtown Lemonster, which is really going to change that whole area in front of the fix. Um, there's a new park being, uh, which we're actually contributing to or, or taking part in helping with as the North Central Mass Association of Realtors. Um, there's an abolitionist park being built in Fitchburg right near Fitchburg State. So this, we're starting to see a lot of energy. And I think it's not any one of these projects that does it on its own. It's these projects combined that start to make a point. Fitchburg State has done some great work. As you, as you kind of start to look at that area, it has been changed dramatically from what it was 10 years ago. Um, and now, it just need, now it's just spreading, right? And, and that's, I actually look at, when you look at Fitchburg, I see development from two ends. I think um, there's there's a lot of work right now going on on the end close to Fitchburg State, and we're starting to see some of that work starting on the end close to the common, and it's really just gonna kind of head towards each other. Um, and I, there's just opportunity. That, I see it as a big opportunity, um, and I enjoy the I enjoy I enjoy seeing the progress as it comes. I agree, and I think well, I guess at first I want to ask you, with all these people kind of running away and things spiraling downward. Yeah. Why did you dive in? You know, it, you didn't dip your toes in. You went yeah. all the way in. You know, it's funny. Um, 
a lot of people ask me that question, and a lot of people question uh, why why did I choose? I actually grew up in Westminster. I, I didn't grow up in Fitchburg. My parents grew up in Fitchburg. My grandparents lived in Fitchburg. And uh, I went to school at St. Bernard's. Um, and so I would say a majority of my, you know, a majority of my excitement about Fitchburg goes back to definitely my family growing up there and, and kind of spending time there when I was young. Um, but also, I have a lot of passion for St. Bernard's High School. And so I had the uh, opportunity and, and was very blessed to, to really kind of take part in the revitalization of St. Bernard's. That's right in line with the revitalization of Fitchburg. You have to look at St. Bernard's campus um, is not only a large high school, but you have the athletic fields off John Fitch, you have the St. Bernard's Activity Center. If, if that entity of St. Bernard's High School for any reason w had not made it, that's a lot of empty real estate uh, in an area that doesn't need empty real estate. And so for me, as much as I was excited about making Fitchburg better, I knew that that was going hand in hand with my efforts at St. Bernard's High School. And I knew my efforts at St. Bernard's High School were going hand in hand with my efforts with the city. Because those two entities work off of each other. You want people that are excited about coming to Fitchburg to come to St. Bernard's. And vice versa, you want Fitchburg to have a great opportunity to bring people in from neighboring municip municipalities to bring their kids here on a daily basis. So um, I think a lot of it has to do with my upbringing. I, I always had a, a fond spot for Fitchburg in my mind. It's where I first started to invest. And as St. As Bernard's really started to become a project of mine and working with so many talented individuals on uh, taking over the school as a private board of trustees, I saw those two efforts directly linked. And I knew that even something like my Blossom Street project, which is far away from St. Bernard's, gives more hope to Fitchburg. And the more hope that there is in Fitchburg, the more hope that we have for the success of St. Bernard's, which has been wildly successful. Uh, St. Bernard's has increased enrollment by, I think we're up to 70% increase over when wow. we took over. Um, and we're just about eclipsing $2.5 million in fundraising. So it's extremely exciting. And that's what, it, when I was talking about how there has to be multiple things going on, um, not all of it's going to be real estate related, right? You're going to have to have the effort to save a school in conjunction with real estate, in conjunction with people taking risks on new businesses. There's some very exciting new restaurants coming to downtown Fitchburg, and that's, that's what we need, right? You need multiple people working in the same direction. Yeah, I personally am a capitalist through and through. <laughs> and with that being said, I feel you know the market drives change. Mm -hmm. So... You're building your project at Blossom Street. I don't know if you want to throw in there. I know there's some restaurants going in that you're familiar with the owners. Yeah, so uh, Dar the owners of Dario's are doing some really cool stuff on Main Street. There's going to be two new restaurants. One's going to be Italian. One's going to be Mexican. Um, really excited about that. Now, say I own a slummy property yeah. just off of that area, and that's whole, the whole area is not nice. Yep. And so why would I invest to revamp my property when I'm not going to get more money for rent because who's going to pay more to live there? Then you guys come in, a few big movers push that area up. Now I'm thinking, well, hey, if I do some rehab and make this place a little nicer, I can get higher rents. Absolutely, right. There's, there's, uh, It's all peer pressure um, at the end of the day. Peer pressure makes a lot of things happen. So um, I think peer pressure is... Not only the peer pressure of, oh, God, he did this. Now my property looks like it needs work. Also, the peer pressure of what you said, the peer pressure to be successful. Um, and I think at the end of the day, 
most people don't want their property to be an eyesore. Um, most people really do want to uh, make their property better. And, and if there's, um, there's a lot of opportunities out there, honestly, uh, without, without getting too much into detail, it's definitely something that um, we can provide resources for. But there's a lot of opportunities out there to improve your properties. And I, and I don't mean um, out of your own pocket. There's a lot of programs out there to deled your properties and to um, even improve the exterior of your properties. There's a lot of opportunity right now on Main Street itself to improve facades on Main Street. They're putting money into that. Uh, so it's all about finding the right resources. And uh, the, the more we do and the, the more we, I, I mentioned this to you uh, earlier, I think it's a coalition, right? You got Lemister, Fitchburg, Gardner. It's a coalition that's going to make North Central better. That coalition, the key part of that coalition is making sure that we are pulling more money to North Central Mass, pulling more grants, pulling more funding, pulling more investments, um, pulling more government funding. There's, there's been a long period of time where these cities have got the raw end of the deal a little bit because there hasn't been the, the push, um, but we're starting to see that money coming in. Um, we've been very lucky recently on, on some major projects being funded, and I think that we need to continue to work together, all, all three of those municipalities and the surrounding communities, on making sure that we continue to get as many of those funding opportunities as we can, um, because that anything we improve, anything we make better in the long run makes a big difference. Both in Lemonster and Fitchburg, what is your opinion on businesses now and, you know, maybe in the next 5, 10, 15 years that are going to help drive that? What businesses are here now that are going to be successful and what ones need to come in to take advantage of the area? That's a, that's a great question. I, you know, and I don't, I definitely don't claim to be, um, and I'm an expert in real estate. I definitely don't claim to be an expert in economics, but I can tell you from what I've seen that. North Central Mass has pretty much always had successful entertainment. We don't have big theaters and we don't have Broadway shows, but successful things to do, um, outdoor things. You know, you got, you got the parks, you got Mount Wachusett, you have a lot of outdoor opportunities, you have the orchards. And then we complement that with a lot of really good restaurants. And I think we will see as, as more things continue to happen, I think we'll see more successful restaurants um, and, and more opportunities of things to do. I still think we're lacking when it comes to fun things to do. I think you, you saw in Marlboro the apex development, right? That got a lot of publicity um, and continues to get a lot of publicity. I'm not saying we need an apex development, but when you look at apex, you see a lot of different things to do that I think Fitchburg and Lemister still hasn't fully capitalized on. We're all pretty upset about Roland America closing, right? That was forever something in... Uh, Lancaster, but that service to Fitchburg and Lemister, that was a thing to do. Um, and I, we'll need more of that. And, and so COVID obviously has affected a lot of that. Um, but I am really excited about bringing more of that. When I look at something like Sayerstown um, or Whitney Field, or, or uh, it will Whatever always, it will always it. be Sayerstown for me. me. Um, but you look at Sayerstown, I, I see just a gigantic target for entertainment and things to do. Um, you know, there was talk of the casino for a long time. There was talk of the baseball stadium for a long time. Those things didn't come to fruition, and, I, and I'm not necessarily advocating for those things. But I do think when you look at Sarahstown, you could see opportunity for something that brings you there and gives you something to do, and then maybe you shop, and then maybe there's some housing attached to it. I think 
as we start to look at the retail market has changed, right? I don't, I don't foresee a big need for more retail. I don't see that being the way of the future, but I do think that services and um, things to do, I like to look at Fitchburg as this virtual working, living, and enjoying area. I could see people that are living in Fitchburg, Lemonster, and North Central Mass, and working a couple days a week in Boston, because nowadays it's gonna be a lot more virtual. So we wanna give those, you know, kind of like the reason why sometimes people wanna live in Boston. Obviously we're not gonna bring Boston out here, but we can provide a lot of those same opportunities um, to make it be a place that people want to live and learn. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's a lot of entertainment. It's a lot of services. We definitely need to bring some more jobs um, and those entities will bring jobs, but I, I'd love to see some more technology out here. And I think we're starting to see that push down route two more. It really kind of got stuck in Devon's for a while, but I do think we'll see more of that um, because a lot of people at this point, it's getting to a point where just the cost of real estate out in Boston area is so expensive that companies have a lot of opportunities if they move out here and give their employees you know, a lower cost of living. Right. And the city could probably benefit or bring benefit to them, whether it's a tax break or yeah. something. To, and you've got employees that may move into the town and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I personally would like to see, and this wouldn't be a massive employment opportunity, but you know, I had some business in Hudson yesterday yeah. and I drove through downtown and it's just so quaint and nice. And there's people walking yeah. and it's got the same foundation yep. as downtown Lemonster. It's so funny you say Hudson. It's so funny because Hudson was one of the one of the first houses I sold was one of my good friends in Hudson. When I sold that house to him in Hudson back in oh god 2013 2014, downtown Hudson was dead. Downtown Hudson was not necessarily Fitchburg, but it was somewhere between Fitchburg and Lemonster, I'd say. It was, it was very quiet and and there's a lot of empty shops. Uh, it has gone through a massive revitalization. It was a lot of individual players. Um, Rail Trail Flatbread is an amazing corner opportunity there that really anchored that redevelopment, in, in my opinion. Um, but you brought the brewery in, you brought in the creamery, you brought in uh, the speakeasy, and, and now you had that, that mass, right? There was enough movement that you saw more happening. And then you saw the revitalization of that residential neighborhood that he lived in right around the corner. And so uh, Hudson is a great example. Um, Hudson's right in there in my in my book as uh, what we want to see. And if you really look at downtown Hudson, it is what I envision uh, for our local cities because it is that it's that place you want to live and learn and maybe commute to Boston every once in a while. Right. And I, I thought about this recently. I don't usually take this route because of where I live in Lemonster, but like, say you've got a friend coming to meet you. Let's go get dinner downtown. They're coming from Boston. Let's go to Brady's. Yep. Very nice restaurant, probably one of the swankier yep. restaurants in town. They pull off Route 2, drive all the way down Mechanic Street, and then get to Brady's, and it's like, really? Yeah. So that's almost like the on-ramp into Lemonster downtown, and... It would be nice. I don't know. Yeah. Those buildings there, I think, need revitalization. So, so it's funny. So we, <laughs> this is this is a whole other piece of this puzzle. And it's, it's not a piece I honestly focus on as much as probably needs to be focused on. Uh, you have the same thing in Fitchburg, too, right? So let's let's call it, let's say Fitchburg and let's say, um, you know, the new the new restaurants opening downtown. Your your main quarters to Fitchburg are Water Street, 
um, really Water Street. A little bit on River Street if you're coming from the west, but mostly Water Street. And Water Street struggles from some similar challenges. Um, those two quarters are extremely important, and you, you hit the nail on the head with um, those entrances. Those there's this big term, gateway cities, right? And Fitchburg and Lemister are both gateway cities, and so um, you need that gateway to those those places be something that people um, are not only proud to have people use, uh, but also places where people feel very comfortable. So those gateways are challenging, um, and I don't really exactly know why those gateways are challenging. Really, it is something that kind of has just happened over time. Um, but they're challenging gateways, and, and it's definitely something that needs to be focused on. We're lucky that there's been some improvement. Um, there's a new construction uh, multifamily right on, uh, right on mechanic. Um, there has been some improvement, but it's, it is definitely slow. I agree with that. Yeah. Where do you see, you know, for you personally, well, let's just talk about you personally, yeah. actually. Um, so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is we've got something in common. We do have something in common. We both live with our parents. Yes. As of right now, I still live with my parents. I did just finish uh, a renovation on a house on Wyman's that I'm moving to. And, you know, I think I was lucky. I, I was an only child growing up. Um, I have a great relationship with my parents. And for me, as I built this real estate business, there was a lot of risk inherently in building this business. And I bought a lot of investment properties. And my friends would always joke I was the person that owned the most properties without actually owning a house that I lived in. Um, and so, yeah, I was lucky that for, for a lot of building this business, I was able to um, live with my parents. And, and it really provided me with a lot of stability to take a lot of risks, um, risks that I don't know I would have taken if I knew I had to rely on certain income for certain things. Um, but I am really excited. Um, one of the things that I think is really important when you look at this lack of housing inventory is really revitalizing existing inventory. So a lot of people will look at a house and be like, oh, it needs too much work. And, and I totally understand that. And, and renovation is not for everyone. And for the people that are willing to take on the task, uh, renovation can be a great way to not only re revitalize something in a community, but also make it the house you want to be. I'm really excited I got to build my dream house on an existing, um, it was a ranch, and I really changed it completely. But I built exactly what I wanted. And so um, it is exciting to be able to see it come to fruition. It's actually uh, finally just coming to a closing. Uh, COVID slowed down a lot of things and, and raised a lot of prices. But we're finally just finishing it. And so I think there's a lot of importance to it goes back to that leverage thing, right? So you have to have leverage. And if leverage for me for a while was not having to, being able to take risks because financially, um, if the risk didn't work out or if I failed in that area, financially it was gonna be okay being that living at home, uh, that was important leverage for me. And I think everyone has different forms of leverage. Um, and for some people, the idea of living at home would be a nightmare. Um, but for, me, for, for us, it worked out great. Um, and go, there was that quarantine period though, for three weeks that, got, that got kind of rough. Tough. Um, my mom was diagnosed with COVID, uh, and we were quarantined for three weeks. So that was, that was a little rough. But How's she doing? She's fine. She actually never had any symptoms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 My mom had COVID as well. Yeah. So yeah. I found myself recently making a major change of, you know, I, I moved home to work with my dad, partner with him and grow the business and for a while, you know, I was just kind of, I guess, living the same lifestyle that yeah. I was when I was living on my own. Yeah. And I just had an epiphany. It's like, wait a minute, I have all this leverage yeah. and I'm not using it. Mm. 
I need to just put my nose to the grindstone. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm working 60, 70 hours a week to build this life for myself. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. And now, you know, I think the house is really a symbol of this massive, massive tree that you built really bearing fruit. Yeah, that's actually really cool. I, I, I really appreciate that analogy. It is. Uh, the house is an example of, because that's my business, right? My business is real estate. So um, I've been in a lot of houses, and I know a lot of things I like and a lot of things I don't like. And so, uh, no, you're absolutely right. It is it is kind of a, a the, the completion or the cornerstone of of what we've done. And I, and I think, um, you know, there's a lot of people get stuck in analysis paralysis, and a lot of people have ideas that they're scared of, and, and a lot of people are scared of failing. I... I'm always scared of failing. And I've learned that failure is inevitable <laughs> and uh, fail fast. Uh, so we, you know, we are constantly, a lot of people thought I was crazy when I started the Blossom Street project. They were like, you're really going to do that on the, in downtown Fitchburg? And I was like, yeah, I, I, I believe it will work. Um, and so sometimes, I think sometimes failure is caused by a lack of belief. So if you believe something will happen, not saying 100% of the time, but if you believe it will happen and, and you put all your energy into believing it and making it happen, uh, a lot of times you can make it happen. And I think a lot of people who fail is because they give up on that belief too early. Um, so I think if I had to you know, give advice, um, that is the one thing is if you really believe in something, believe in it and uh, figure out how to make it a reality. That's awesome. That's really great advice. What is next for you? I don't know. You know, I have bed. one year, Can I go to five bed? years. No, no yeah. I'm kidding. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, People so, tell me that a lot when I talk to them. <laughs> no, it's not you. It's it's just it's crazy lately, right? And um, I feel like there's uh, a vacation would be a good thing. I think with COVID, um, we've been. I think everyone has been overworked. Um, everyone I talk to says, I just keep working because I got nothing else to do, right? You know, and I think a lot of us are like, oh. Uh, it's five o'clock. Well, I might as well work a little bit more because I got nothing, you know, I got nowhere to go. Um, obviously, that's starting to change and we're starting to see businesses get back up and running. And, and hopefully we're going to see a return to the social aspect of life, which I, I think really helps is balance for me. Uh, with that being said, I think I, I'm a big fan of, uh, at this point in my career, I'm a big fan of using what I've learned and using what I've done to help other people learn and do what I've done. So uh, I have learned a lot about real estate development. I've learned a lot about real estate sales. The thing that keeps me going every day right now is the people on my team and seeing them succeed. Uh, that for me is so much more exciting. Um, don't, if any of my clients are listening, I obviously very much appreciate you and, uh, and I fight for you too. And what does make me really excited is seeing um, some of my teammates finding wild success compared to their previous careers um, and creating businesses within my business. So a lot of my teammates now have businesses underneath the Pelletier Properties umbrella. Um, yes, we all work for Keller Williams North Central, but they've, they've been able to build their own success. Um, and in some cases, it's been life-changing. Um, paying off debt, renovating uh, their personal homes, um, you know, really changing, starting to invest. Uh, you know, one of them right now is buying his first investment property. Another one is getting into stock investment. And so uh, it's been really exciting for me. And that, if you had to, if I had to pick one thing that I wanted to say what's next for me, it's to continue to expand that ability to 
help other people learn from what I've done and capitalize on that in their own lives. That's just the best for me. So what I'm hearing from you is it sounds like you are focused on and gain a lot of energy from helping others. Oh, yeah. Obviously, the people that work for you, yeah. your clients, you know, your projects within the city yep. or surrounding areas, St. Bernard's. Yeah. What about you? Oh, me. Um, no, I, I think that uh, I think now is I feel a lot more comfortable with me. Like, I think there were a lot of times when when I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. I think I was really stressed. I was really anxious. Um, and it was really hard for me to focus on my own life, focus on, um, you know, dating or even finding my own house or doing that stuff when I wasn't innately happy in what I have become. I feel like though COVID has been a, COVID has drained all social, you know, ness out of a lot of stuff. I do think I'm really starting to feel like I've fallen into my place Whereas, you know, just finished the house, the dream house, and, and I've fallen into that place where now it really is time to start to figure out, you know, what is next for me in terms of a family and, and where that's going to lead me. And I am excited for uh, COVID to allow for more social interaction and gatherings. And um, yeah, so we'll see. I don't know. And you're single now. I am single, yeah. So we've got a budding yeah. real estate mogul Yeah, but I, I, yeah, on the no, market. Exactly, right? I, uh, I, I'm... You know, for me, it's funny. Um, I just like being—I like being around people that are down to earth. That's kind of my whole my whole life is like that. I like—I show up to real estate consults in you know shorts, if appropriate. Again, if the client—if appropriate for the client. But a lot of times, it's short sandals and a polo shirt because, honestly, that's most of the people we work with. That's where they feel more comfortable. If I show up in a shirt and tie, they're like, oh. We, we walked into a house uh, not too long ago and the client was like, I'm sorry, you know, I just washed my hair, it's still wet. Um, you know, I, I really, I, I usually try, I'm like, calm down. I'm like, if I had known we could have wore sweatpants, I would have wore sweatpants. She's like, oh, really? And so I think there's this dichotomy of, of people uh, expecting to be judged by others um, when at the same time, if we both knew that we both want to wear, you know, shorts and a t-shirt, I think everyone would be more comfortable. So we run a very uh, laid back business and I, I find that um, those are the people I like to be around. Now, speaking of being judged by others, yeah. you made a comment to me the other day that I wanted to touch on a little bit. You yeah. know, you said you spent a lot of your life being self-conscious. Um, we didn't get too far into it, but could you talk about that a little bit, maybe what that's about yeah. and where you're at now? Yeah, I think um, I, like most teenagers, uh, you know, wanted acceptance. Um, and so there were a lot of things as I was growing up that, um, you know, it's, I, I would never, I would never call what anything I went through to be like true bullying. I think I was very lucky. I had a lot of really good friends. Uh, and at the same time, there's a, there's a lot of things that, you know, whether it's feeling like you're overweight or feeling like, um, you are, I remember growing up and feeling like there were, there were people would call me Richie niche. Cause I, you know, I grew up on a lake and, and so, um, I was very self-conscious of those things. I wanted to fit in. I didn't want to, um, I didn't, I didn't really, I wanted to fit in and I wanted to be like other people. And I, it's not that, it's not that I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't want to be criticized, but I just wanted to, yeah, I guess I just wanted to fit in. And so I found that when I was growing up, I, I was very self-conscious about um, the way I looked. I was self-conscious about, um, success and failure and things like that. And I always, you know, sometimes maybe put too much pressure on myself. I think what I've found, uh, my 
some people in my life will probably say I still put a lot of pressure on myself. But I do think that what I have found is that I care a lot less about um, the little things um, because I know that I have really good friends. Um, I have a really good team. I have really good family. And at the end of the day, um, I know they believe in me and I believe in them. So um, whether or not I embarrass myself by saying something you know, funny on, on this microphone right now, um, it's, it's gonna be okay. And, and I think that's the biggest thing I would, I would recommend for people is you know, I remember being mortified um, when I was younger and I was wearing, we were in Disney and I was wearing the same shirt as my parents and like, and we were at this thing and, and the, the host was like, oh, I wonder whose son that is. And I was mortified, right? I was mortified. And uh, I've learned that that stuff is just fun. Just laugh and, and, and you know, the, real, the realization is people make things what you make them. So if you make it into an awkward situation, they're gonna make it into an awkward situation. If you laugh it off and realize that it's not a big deal, they're probably doing the same thing. Um, and so I think I, I laugh at myself a lot, a lot more than I used to. I, I am uh, one of the biggest, you know, I'll make fun of myself to no end at this point because it's, because it makes life fun. I, I'd rather make fun of myself than, um, I don't mean like critically, I mean like, oh, I can't believe I just did that. Like, you know, and it just makes life fun. Do you think it's kind of funny or maybe ironic that once you really started to change, I guess to try to not fit in and create your own path and create this life that is you and yeah. find, you know, if you want to say your true self, yeah. that that confidence started to come together? Oh, I think it makes perfect sense, right? I, I, think, I think you hit the nail on the head in that I think a lot of people get stuck in, in situations where they're not happy and that... I remember times of being anxious about not being happy, right? And so you're, you're just feeding that anxiety. And anxiety causes self-consciousness. Anxiety causes stress. Anxiety causes um, depression. You know, so if you are not finding what makes you happy and doing it, uh, your mental health will, will pay a price. And so I think you're absolutely right. I think the more you pursue what you love um, and the more you, um, you know, are in the office today with Annie and two dogs and you know it's it's just craziness but it's just funny and and just that's I couldn't imagine you know in my old job having two dogs sitting in my office and just like you know laughing most of the day it's a totally different environment um, and so you really got to be where where you feel um, happy and that will cause the growth of happiness awesome I think that's a great place to leave it. Um, you know, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come speak with me. I really am incredibly impressed by you. And I think, you know, you keep saying it's not going to be one person that makes yeah. these changes, but you are a massive leader in the changes that are going on in the area. So thank you for everything you do. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. And Same with you. I really appreciate what you're doing. I think this is a much needed um, voice, not for just me. I mean, for other business leaders too. And I, I think what you're doing is really exciting and I want to uh, put the same back on you. I appreciate that very much. So, all right, I'll let you get some sleep. I know you're no very problem. tired. I think we both need bed. a little bit of rest. I don't, yep. Thanks so much. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in with us. We do this to share the stories of some of the incredible individuals in your community. All we ask in return is if you found value from this episode, please share it with someone else who may also gain value from the show. Please feel free to rate or review the show. Your feedback helps us give you more of what you want. 
Until next time, I'm Tim Lanza, and this was another Local Legacy.